Good evening, everyone. We are having a gift from the Lord outside with a little rain because, as you know, we've had drought since January 1st of this year. It's been setting the record since the 1800s. It's never been this dry in uh, central Florida. So we thank the Lord for coming in wet streets tonight. It's a blessing from the Lord. This evening I have a weird topic of which Tim could not find any hymns that correlated. The um, topic I thought I'd speak on tonight is hymns written by non-Christians. As you all know, Romans was written to Christians, but it contains truths pertaining to non-Christians as well, and that's what I'd like to look at. Please turn to, with me to Romans chapter 14 and verse 7. In these verses, you're going to see some of them pertain to both Christians and non-Christians, includes non-Christians. Other of these verses are strictly to Christians. Let's look at some of those together. Romans 14, verse 7. For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. Well, that's true of both Christians and non-Christians, isn't it? Because God created life, it's true of both Christians and non-Christians. Verse 8. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. Okay, now that's Christians. That pertains to Christians. Verse 9, for to this end Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. That pertains to non-Christians as well, doesn't it? Verse 10, but why do you judge your brother or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. All of us, that's both Christian and non-Christian are going to stand. Now the judgment seat of Christ versus the Great white throne judgment, but all of us will stand before Christ in either location. Verse 11. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. Well, that includes non-Christians as well as Christians, doesn't it? Verse 12. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. Again. Christians and non-Christians. So you see these verses pertain really to both in many instances. Now, Isaiah 45, 23 says this. You don't need to turn there. I'll just read it. I have sworn by myself, the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return, that to me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall take an oath. He shall say... Surely in the Lord I have righteousness and strength. To him men shall come, and all shall be ashamed who are incensed against him. All shall be ashamed. That would be unbelievers as well as believers. All shall be ashamed who are incensed. That means to be angry against God. To him all men shall come. Every tongue shall take an oath before God. So then, 
Can an unbeliever praise the Lord and even write a great hymn? That's kind of a unusual thing, and that's what I want to talk to you about because, as you can understand, I read a couple of great hymns, and I looked up these people, and they were lost as a coot. They were absolutely lost. That's a Stan Skies saying, by the way, lost as a coot. They really were. They, these men were lost, but they wrote great hymns. I found two non-Christians. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. These two unbelievers bowed humbly in their hymns and both confessed to God. However, neither one of them will be in heaven as far as we know. But both on earth and after they death, after their death, before our great sovereign God, they have bowed and they have confessed. Neither received Christ as Savior despite knowing considerable scriptures. So they are doomed to an eternity of damnation in a lake of fire for refusing to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thrust into eternity by death. They have again bowed and confessed. The first one is Rudyard Kipling, who described himself in 1908 at the age of 42 as a God-fearing Christian atheist. He really did. I'm not making this up. And that is confusing enough because it also shows a unique insight into redeeming power of love, which is the main pillar of Sufism. He also attempts to to um, some of the Islamic precepts. However, he's not a Muslim. He is very sympathetic to Buddhism and Hinduism and always alludes to Hindu gods and goddesses in his poetry. But he does not believe in Hinduism or Buddhism. So Rudyard Kipling uses a lot of religious themes and motives and symbols in his work, but he does not subscribe to any particular religious view at all. He is admittedly an unbeliever. He was also a British soldier in India for many years, and he lived and drank and swore like all soldiers. In the 1890s, he became famous for his books and poetry, so while England was celebrating the Diamond Jubilee of Queen Victoria, her reign, the Times of London asked Rudyard to write a special poem for the occasion, which was really a big deal. It's like being asked by the king. Times of London are a big deal. Kipling said, that poem gave me more trouble than anything I have ever written. When it came due, I had nothing that satisfied me. But finally, the poem was written, and when it was released, it created quite a stir. Instead of praising his country's military strength, Kipling sounded like an Old Testament prophet calling for mercy from a just and righteous God. It was uncharacteristic for Kipling, who was associated with British colonialism, to write such a poem. Kipling's hymn serves as a powerful sermon to all who are tempted to elevate the glory and power of their nation above their sovereign creator. In this poem, he bows humbly and confesses to God, just as Romans 14, 11 says. Here it is. God of our fathers, known of old, Lord of our far-flung battle line, 
beneath whose awful hand we hold dominion over palm and pine. Lord God of hosts, be with us yet, lest we forget, lest we forget. The tumult and the shouting dies. The captains and the kings depart. Still stands thine ancient sacrifice, an humble and a contrite heart. Lord God of hosts, be with us yet, lest we forget, lest we forget. Far called, our navies melt away. On dune and headline sinks the fire. Lo, all our pomp of yesterday is one with Nineveh and Tyre. Judge of the nations, spare us yet, lest we forget, lest we forget. If drunk with sight of power, we loose wild tongues that have not thee in awe. Such boastings as the Gentiles use, or lesser breeds without the law. Lord God of hosts, be with us yet, lest we forget, lest we forget. For heathen heart that puts her trust in reeking tube and iron shard, all valiant dust that builds on dust and guarding calls not thee to guard. For frantic boast and foolish word, thy mercy on thy people pour. Isn't that great? That's great. It's good. It's truth. But it's written by an unbeliever, by a man who didn't know the Lord. Another famous unbeliever was Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. He was a Unitarian in his spiritual beliefs and therefore not a Christian by any stretch. Unitarians believe all worldwide sacred texts have truths in them and none predominate over the other. Longfellow wrote this poem on Christmas Day, 1863. And in it, Longfellow bows and confesses in this great carol. His wife had just died in a fire. His son had just been wounded, not mortally, but severely wounded. And this poem was written during the Civil War. Listen to this. I heard the bell, their old familiar carols play, and mild and sweet the word. The belfries, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to man. Till ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day, a voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then from each black accursed mouth, the cannon thundered in the south, and with the sound, the carols drowned of peace on earth, goodwill to men. It was as if an earthquake rent the hearthstones of a continent and made forlorn the households born of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. Isn't that interesting? By an unbeliever, man who doesn't know God, and yet the words that he wrote are true. The unsaved man is correct. 
the Prince of Peace is coming. The whole earth will one day peacefully serve and worship the King of Kings. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. Even unsaved men can write a glorious hymn of praise to God and ask for needed mercy as these men did. That's part of every knee bowing and every tongue confessing. That's what this is. That's what I'm reading to you. And frankly, it impacted me a lot. Because I saw the truth of that scriptures of Isaiah that says that. It's repeated in Philippians that every tongue confesses. 